we're back uh, with the STRU podcast. Hooray, hooray! You will never guess who I am sitting next to. It is the one and only Richard Furtick. Oh, you had me guessing. I, I didn't know who you were sitting next How to. How appropriate I that know. I am hosting this podcast with you. I know. Isn't that remarkable? <laughs> we find ourselves at the same place in the same time in the same location, both eager, willing, and ready to talk all things short-term rentals. Amazing. And all things like personal. Yeah. Right? I mean, I yeah, think that's yeah. part of the beauty. Yeah, totally. Totally. Good to see you. Thanks well, for being here. Listen, I mean, you know, I looked at my calendar and there's no place I'd rather be. Oh, thanks. So here You're we are. Very handsome. As well, you don't look handsome, but I do like your California hey, friends thanks. on the YouTube channel that are watching this. Represent California. And we're going there. Holla. Next yeah. week. Yeah, yeah. Super excited. I can't wait. I know. It's a little bit warmer. So Get out of the snow. Yeah, although, you know, snow is great. Snow is great. Snow is great. And we've been having a ton of it here in Jackson. Yes. I just skied, uh, was it yesterday or the day before? We had about 18 inches of fresh powder come in. Uh, so much snow that the mountain couldn't open up for, I don't know, it was almost about two hours while they were doing avalanche control. So I went out there as early as I could, which was, I think I got my first tracks about 11 a.m., knee-deep powder everywhere and i found a couple of pockets where it was waist deep and wow. it was just so much fun and i was like floating like a kid and that's what actually erica encouraged me to do yeah i was having a uh i don't know i remember what uh, at the moment was giving me a lot of challenge because there's so many wonderful things that are happening but even in wonderful things there's always you know things that didn't go exactly the way you wanted or things that you're working towards or resolving and um erica one of her most amazing attributes is to be selfless and to be encouraging me. And so in prior relationships where people would say, do you really think you need to go skiing now? What about doing some work? Or do you really think you need to go skiing now? What about doing some chores or other stuff? Erica's like, I want you to go out there and I want you to have fun and I want you to be a kid and I want you to enjoy yourself. I want you to be safe, but I want you to really have a great time and enjoy every minute of the skiing. That's why you're here. And then come back and we can focus on all that other stuff. And I'm just like, yes. <laughs> Right. Like that works. Works right. really well. Well, and you came back a different person. Yeah. You know? Well. And I mean, I think that there's just so much real estate, you know, taken up in, you know, in your mind that it, um, it's so important and, um, just moving just, that out of your way. Oh, yeah. thank you. Can be so, you know, beneficial to just take a break from that well, and to just exhale. And, um, you know, I think we've been, really conscious and trying to be very aware of just really taking care of ourselves, taking care of each other, um, so that we're showing up each and every day our best. Yeah. And I think and when you ski, <laughs> you're at your best. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you know, for me, it's, um, it's very empowering. It's very liberating. It's very, uh, independent. Um, I'm in God's country fresh air it's thin air but it's fresh and it's snow and it's beautiful and it's cold and i'm going fast and i'm taking risks and i'm controlling myself and i'm controlling the environment and you know when you do things that uh move you personally mm -hmm. you can't help but grow or smile right. or be happier or be the best self right. um, and for me with this life that i've designed the ability to go out and put everything on hold if and when there's a deep powder day is incredibly empowering and rewarding right. and f would be incredibly frustrating if I was unable to because right. I'm here for that. Right. And if something else is 
taking priority, then that's a dichotomy and we have to address it. But you being a champion and a supporter and an advocate of it just makes it so much easier because I'm sure that there's many people in relationships listening to this podcast that if they're introspective and honest with themselves, know that when their significant other has an opportunity that would detract from their productivity, say at home or at work or with the kids or anything else, Mm -hmm. may squander it and, and poo-poo it and be like well i don't know do you think you just did that last week or you just did the all girls weekend last year like maybe you shouldn't do it whatever it is right these are just examples but it's the rare exception the the erica bossy who says go for it like that's what life is about this moment that is here before us is a gift and it is incumbent on you to go and crush it and be your best self and go and be a child and I mean, it's just wonderful. So thank you, thank you, thank you. You're so welcome. You're and we're so going to do that soon this afternoon yes, too. Right? Yes, I so know. Like you're we're looking gonna, forward to we're it. We're going to yes. do this podcast. <laughs> we're going to get yes. the content down. We're going to get it to Charles. We're yes. going to grow everybody who's watching and listening. And I'm yeah. super excited and grateful for their attention. Totally. But not at the expense of giving so much of myself that I'm not going to go out there and shred a little bit this afternoon. Right. 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 Yeah. 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 So. so good. Well, and what I will say is that you, you know, you feed me equally. Um, I do. Tacos. <laughs> pizza. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Just a joke, friends. That's the kind of relationship that we have. Yes. <laughs> um, but you always win when you feed me tacos. <laughs> um, <laughs> or when you cook. Guys, let me give you a little bit of Phenomenal advice. cook. This is a relationship thing. Oh. Feed your woman. Yes. Make her smile with food. Yeah. There is rewards. So just do it. Yes. And I will say, actually, so feed your woman, period. Um, and outside of food, what I was going to share was how um, I really am so proud of the fact that we have I believe really learned each other's, you know, love language. And so to that point, you are absolutely phenomenal at feeding my love language. Um, I, you know, while I think, you know, we, we do vacillate, you know, back and forth a little bit about what, you know, your love language is, but I think it well, is I'm just a lover. Right. No, maybe that's just it. Maybe that's it. No, but it. you're right. You're but right. But I think, and I think that it changes yours over is time. right. And um and you know, due to circumstance, but I do think that your love language is quality time. And whether that's quality time with yourself in the mountains in the snow, playing like a kid and like getting into peak state, or, you know, quality time with the girls or um Quality time with you. Quality time with me. Quality time with the dogs. Absolutely. Right? Quality time with, um, you know, the mastermind and your students and, you know, the people that, you know, look to you for, you know, guidance and help and growth. I mean, you, you know, you love your, you know, one-on-ones because you get that quality time, that concentrated time, you know, with them. So I think... Um, you know, really showing up for you um, in as best I can and really feeding and, and um, encouraging, you know, that quality time is, uh, is showing you and demonstrating how much I love you. My love language is gifts. And, you know, it's so funny because I've hesitated to share that because people think, oh my gosh, how 
superficial superficial or materialistic or whatever but the truth of the matter is the best I can explain it is it's a demonstration or a token that you thought of me when I wasn't standing in front of you and that to me makes me feel loved and so and you're just um I mean, you, there were just a couple of little, you know, surprises over, you know, the course of the last week that I think fed me as much as you, as as much as me encouraging you to go out and play yeah. in the snow and get into Peak State and take a break and go do you. So just to put this all in perspective for the listening audience, <laughs> you know, um, I've had the good fortune of incredible education, attending private schools in New York City and then attending Cornell University, uh, Ivy League for undergraduate, double major psychology econ, and then I went on to get my MBA at the University of Pennsylvania, the Wharton School, arguably the finest school in finance. And so from a education perspective, my tank is full and I'm really grateful. And my father, who didn't graduate even like junior high school, prioritized education for myself and my sister because he wanted to provide for us. And I'm now I'm welling up. Um, that that he was unable to have himself. Right. Which, for any of you listening as parents, should resonate. Um, and I apologize for getting emotional. But nonetheless, with all of my schooling and education and being surrounded by some of the smartest and brightest and most successful and billionaires in the hedge fund world and so on and so forth, mm-hmm. the very first time I learned of the love languages was when I met Erica. Um, I'd never heard of the love languages. And for me, love languages were like, there's one, right? Like we just love each other. Or um, I I didn't realize that people loved differently or that expressed love or received love differently. Uh, And also I will go, and it's a little bit controversial topic. This may not be the right place or time. When we went to the Tony Robbins relationship uh, experience in Maui earlier uh, in 2019, we also learned that there's a variety of sexual preferences, a whole spectrum. And so what somebody considers normal, somebody else might consider kinky. And what somebody considers kinky, somebody else might consider normal. And so as long as there's, you know, two uh, consenting adults that are doing things that uh, are, are, you know, both encouraged and rewarded and successful, mm-hmm. like it's okay. And so the point that I make is not everybody listening to this audience, not every audience member listening to this podcast or watching it has an idea of what we're talking about, right. right? Like I just went through all my accolades and and degrees and you like to call them plaques and I'd never even heard <laughs> of five love languages. Right. So take a moment and clue everybody else in who doesn't know mm-hmm. or those that do know that want a refresher. And we spent a fair amount of time in the mastermind talking about this. The individuals that attended, we asked what their love language was. Mm-hmm. And then we also asked what their significant other or spouse's love language was and how they were feeding it. So I would love for you to just share with everybody what they are. Totally. And I'm going to ask Guapo, hey, buddy, shh, to quiet down. <laughs> Sorry for the inconvenience, <laughs> friends. This is, you know, ghetto podcast. We life. do our best around right. here. It's real life. This is what so, it looks like. What are the five love languages? So the five love languages are um, gifts. Gifts, we know that one. Quality time. Quality time. Words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. So somebody praising you or telling you that you're doing a great job. Right. The attaboys. Yep. Um, acts of service. Okay. Which would be like taking the trash out or starting the car, getting right. the snow off your windshield or yep. whatever. Right? Like exactly. Just being there for you. Right. And touch. Touch. Physical. Yes. So I had always thought when I first listened to all of this that um, words of affirmation were mine and it would make kind of sense given the fact that I'm pretty uh, social and out there and YouTube and podcast and 
um, you know, getting likes and followers and comments. It doesn't actually uh, motivate me as much as the results, right? Like the individual emails right. or tweets that I get back from people saying that I did this and you changed my life. And like, those are the words of affirmation, the likes right. and the comments and the thumbs up and the subscribers. And it's important. Don't get me wrong. I do pay attention to it, but it doesn't drive me mm -hmm. at all. Right. What does drive me are the individual one-on-one, -on -one, which is almost like quality time, right? right. Like once again, it's more right. about the real deeper for me. And there's nothing wrong with words of affirmation. You know, if you receive love that way, bravo, kudos. Totally. I hope you find somebody that gives Absolutely. you tons of words of affirmation and love. And that's amazing. Absolutely. Um, but for me, I think it really is quality time. And I think that as I'm really introspective and think back on the different relationships that I've had, you know, we uh, both extremely successful, uh, but, you know, time apart. And then the time together was really stressful in terms of we have little time, lots to do, big decisions, lots of stress, lots of pressure. That's not really quality time, right? And right. so um, one of the things that uh, I love about our relationship is we literally spend 24-7. We do. 365, or at now we're at like 360, whatever, 348 days, <laughs> soon to be 365. But the point is, Literally 24-7, mm -hmm. um, 365 together, with the only exception is when I go skiing because you right. don't ski. Right. Um, and so I think you're right. You know, it is, it is all about the quality time. And what I would also say, since this is a new concept for me and Erica is much more familiar with it, don't judge the other person's quality time. Oh, I'm sorry, the other person's love language, it's right? Like to me, true. to be perfectly so honest, gifts are like nonsensical. I never received gifts. I never gave gifts. I've always been fortunate enough that things that we desired or needed were provided. So if I wanted to pick up a new sport and I needed gear, you know, my father was very happy to encourage and reward me. And as long as I kept at it, you know, we would continue to get whatever gear or travel team budget whatever was needed right uh, i was very fortunate that i always had that and so gifts to me don't have a lot of meaning because i didn't receive very many of them right although i got them perpetually in real time right and i also didn't give very many of them um right. even with my children and you've been really good with um getting them gifts and in fact don't tell them but they've got a little present guapo buddy they've got a little present coming um for them that you ordered and were instrumental and I'm sure it'll make their day and it'll brighten, you know, their day and they'll make them smile, let them know they're thought of and loved and so on. And like, that's the importance of gifts for me. Right. I started from the place of judgment where I was saying like, that's so superficial and like right. anybody can buy that. So the point is, is like, <clears throat> I caught myself being judgmental and saying like, oh, that's so, you know, meaningless. Like, but that's not the point. And so the way that I've started to feed your love language is in just being thoughtful and surprising you and small stuff. And it doesn't even have to have uh, a dollar right. associated with it. Right. It's so not about that. It's not about that. And in fact, you know, I'll share with the audience some of the most expensive things that I've given you that you were most excited about. That excitement lasted for like a minute. And some of the least expensive things that were perhaps more thoughtful. Yep you remain excited about, yep. right? It's, it keeps you lit up. Um, and that's really the goal in, in the relationship is to feed the other person and love them the way they want to be loved as opposed to the way that you want to be loved or the way that you think love is. Right, right. And so, and I will share with you that I was in a relationship for about five or six years and 
this is prior to me learning of uh, learning about love languages and defining them and so on and so forth. And so, um, as it, as I reflect back on, you know, that, that relationship, I'm very much aware that, um, I loved him in the way that I wanted to be loved myself. And he loved me in the way that he wanted to be loved. So for example, you know, I would surprise him with a new shirt or, you know, a, you know, a gift or a card or this, that, the other. And it was completely lost on him. In fact, he was frustrated by it. Why are you, you know, why? It's not my birthday. It's not anything. Why are you doing this? Like, save your money, whatever they, you know, it, and then he was, as it turns out, he was acts of service. So he would, you know, take the trash out to the curb and he would do the grocery shopping and he would, you know, start my car in the morning and, you know, brush off all of the snow. And that was completely lost on me. I mean, I was just focused on the fact that, oh my gosh, what I wouldn't give for you to go and spend seven ninety nine at Albertsons and buy me, you know, on a Tuesday, you know, and bring home some flowers just because. And he would have given anything for me to wake up 10 minutes early and take the trash out to the curb on a, on, you know, a Thursday morning. And so, um, and, and so since I've learned this and prior to you, what I found is applying this to anybody, all relationships, whether it's, you know, contractors of my business, whether it's my family, whether it's um, my friends, whether it's, you know, it's applicable to every relationship that you have. I mean, don't you want to show up for those people in your life that are important properly? Right. And the thing is this, the average person doesn't know either. Right. Right? Like they don't know. Right. When we sat with the mastermind and said, what is your love language? People were like, uh, I don't know. Right. So it's hard to show up for others when they themselves don't know. And you can interpret that. And that was what we were actually helpful with. Right. We went through the personalities and, you know, things that we had noticed and helped yeah. them define it. And like I said, it, it can change. I would right. have I would have said that mine was words of affirmation just because like that's what kind of made sense to right. me. But on a more thoughtful level, you're very much correct that it's quality time. You guys should see the smile, um, that it is quality time. Uh, you know, I'm very, very uh, protective of my time, of my calendar. It's the most important thing that I cherish and protect. And um, and then when I do something with my time, I'm all in, right? Totally. I want to be 100%. So totally. I don't want to just go skiing. You know, I move here to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, the number one place in North America to go skiing. And when I can't do that, then I go heli skiing in British Columbia. But it's all about peak and the best and world class. And you tease me all the time for saying world class, but like that's world class is synonymous with quality time. Right. Right. I don't want to mess around with subpar experiences. Right. And I want so like to the exactly. experience. Exactly. And so to that point when, you know, we refer to your why and the girls, I mean, you don't see them every day, but you create these experiences, these memories, these stories, these um our time together. I mean, we'll we'll remember and take well, with us fact, forever. In fact, <clears throat> when I lived in New York before they went to boarding school, uh I was there a hundred percent for them. Right. Right. So I have 50 percent custody. And so every other week the kids would go from uh, their mother's house to my house and alternate. Mm -hmm. And I found that incredibly frustrating and debilitating. And, you know, talk about not being in peak because I was there for literally, let's say, 
a month mm-hmm. for the two weeks that I would be with them. And through no fault of their own, they're normal, ordinary kids. They've totally. got school and academics and sports they're and so doctors busy. and right. friends and like a million things that teenagers have. And I myself had that. But I would look at this and say, I'm sacrificing my entire life to be here for those two weeks out of a month. And during those two weeks, I barely see them <laughs> because they're two busy minutes running out of around. the two weeks. Right. right. And I was just like, I got into my own head and in a negative spiral and saying, like, I'm wasting my life. I'm not doing anything. Like, this isn't important for them that I'm here. And of course it was. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I could tell myself these stories about right. how it was ineffective and a bad use of my time. And it would literally drive me bonkers. And so to your point, we've reshaped that relationship. They've decided to go to boarding school on their own, and we supported that. Right. Um, and so by definition, I see them less. But when I see them, it's now a bigger deal, and it's more exciting, and it's more rewarding, and it's no more quality time. And we do epic adventures and stretch and grow them, and we travel, yeah. and we're quite fortunate that we're all healthy and have the means to do some of these world adventures. And you've joined us, right? We've done so much for my... Um, what was it for Christmas? Yeah. Um, two of my daughters, with Erica's help, uh, wrote me nice letters that are now framed and on my nightstand talking about all of our travels. And now I'm welling up again in this podcast. You know, like <laughs> you, you want Richard to get emotional, just put him on the podcast. Um, so those, those letters from uh, Allie and Natasha were incredible. Mm-hmm. And Victoria gave me a, uh, a photo album. She went through all of her photos. And I think we did four or five unreal trips in 2019. (laughs) And so she put together all the different travel that we did uh, in 2019. And just, you know, like these gifts I get, right? Like, and you're crying and I'm crying. Guys, I don't know what's going on. This podcast is supposed (laughs) to be about short-term rentals and Airbnb and so on. But the point is just this. um, That quality time together is incredibly important for me. Uh, my kids seem to recognize it and are putting thought with Erica's help in, in writing and in visuals. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're all sort of realizing that, you know, dad's deal is quality time. And so while we've redefined the amount of time that we spend together on a daily basis, we've refocused it in a way that actually, I think, moves the needle and Absolutely. has much greater impact um, for all involved. Yeah. Right. Because I wasn't I wasn't happy then. Right. I was let's call it malnourished. In the love department, I was malnourished. I want quality time. I'm here. I'm sacrificing my life. I'm in New York City and I don't see you. Right. And instead, how about we go our separate ways? You guys were adults. You made decisions to go to boarding school. I support that fabulous education. I'm going to go to Wyoming. I'm going to follow myself and be true to myself. And then when we meet together, we're going to have quality time. And it's just remarkable. It's awesome. It's so awesome. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, can we turn to perhaps <laughs> some things that aren't going to result <laughs> in a lighter crying? note? <laughs> yeah, right. What, what else do you have for us, Miss Flossie? Yes. As I so. wipe my eyes here. <laughs> in Airbnb yeah. news, thank you, by the way, for sharing. Of course. Well, thanks for bringing it out. Absolutely. Um, so, in Airbnb news, as Airbnb prepares to go public, here are five things investors will be focused on. Um, so this is an article that came out in Business Insider Prime. One of my uh, friends actually sent this to me mm-hmm. to get an idea of what's going on um, really on Wall Street and what Wall Street is looking at uh, for Airbnb before they go public. So do you want to read us the first? These are five things that investors will be focused on. The 
first one. Profit and margins. Is Airbnb actually making money? And if so, how much? Okay, good question. All investors want to know that. Right. Second. Airbnb's marketing cost uh, could skyrocket as it scales and takes on Google. Okay, so we're worried about making money. We're worried about Google. Uh, from local bed and breakfast to hotels and professional property management, how will Airbnb solve its identity crisis? Okay, so what is Airbnb? Is it a bunch of guys sleeping on like fold-out beds and couches, or is it bed and breakfast, or is it boutique hotels? What is it? Uh, trust and safety. Will Airbnb be able to crack down on party houses and fraud, and at what cost? Okay, that's a big one that we keep reading about and hearing about. Regulatory risk. Can Airbnb make peace with its neighbors? Awesome. Okay, so those Boom. are the five yeah. um, issues, and really only one revolves around making money, right? Everything right. else is about things that could stop them from making money, like right. regulatory neighbors, cities, communities, and so on. Mm -hmm. um, and this Business Insider article is really kind of interesting, talking about what investors are looking at for Airbnb's public offering later this year. And it's kind of interesting. The only thing that really relates to um, money is whether they're going to be profitable or not. And then everything else are threats. Right. Right. Community threats, regulatory threats, Google. Google entering the space. Right now they're showing uh, the listings in booking.com. Uh, are showing up in the Google results. But like Google itself hasn't quite yet entered the space in a meaningful fashion. But they could. And according right. to this article, that's probably the only player that Airbnb is really worried about. So they're not so worried about, say, Booking.com and Expedia and all these other you know, companies that they're already aware of. What they're worried about is who's going to disrupt Airbnb. And the article goes on to say or suggest that it could be Google itself. Right. You know, you don't really want to compete with Google <laughs> in many things. That right. said, I think Airbnb has done a really wonderful job of being the first mover. I know that there's been short-term rentals before Airbnb, but really bringing together this community, this platform, this app, uh, that culture, uh, I attribute to Airbnb. And I think they've done a really great job. And there's a lot of people who are quite loyal to it and like it a lot. And so um, I think they've got a lot of runway or room to mm -hmm. continue to grow and expand, but it's completely on them. And some of those risks that they've identified, we've talked about mm -hmm. on other podcasts and on YouTube videos and so on, that's the big deal, mm -hmm. right? Like what investors really need to think about are the community. Yep. If Airbnb can't get people to play nice and cities and local governments and counties and townships and to welcome them, mm -hmm. that's a really big problem. Right. And it's a really big problem on a variety of levels because the, the sphere of influence is enormous. Right. It can affect things like the desirability and the livability of a community, both right. if they allow Airbnb right. and if they disallow Airbnb. There's implications. It's right. not one's better and one's worse. But when we're looking at uh, communities to reinvest the 1031 proceeds from this brownstone sale, I'm only looking at places that are legal. Duh. Right. I've taught that time and time again. That's right. where I start. Right. I start with the regulatory framework. Um, and so by definition, if I'm excluding a community from my investment dollars because they don't allow Airbnb, mm -hmm. it's not a big deal if Richard is the only person that's crossing that community off the list. But friends, rest assured, it's not Richard. First off, it's Richard and everybody who listens to Richard. Right. Everybody who is taught by Richard and believes in what Richard is teaching is also crossing off that zip Correct. code, that community, that township. 
And then there's people that don't have uh, a relationship with short-term rental university, but are also mindful and thoughtful and law-abiding, and they don't want to consider it, so they don't. And then there's people that just don't want to invest in a place where they can't do what they are allowed to with their own home and so on. Right. So all I'm saying is if you start to create these walls and these rules, it may not look like very much in 2020, but by 2022, it could look different. 2032 different, 2052 different, you know, 50 years from now, it's right. going to be very different outcomes for communities that embrace Airbnb and those that prohibit it. Right. And the ones that I personally will go on record as saying will thrive are the communities that do it intelligently and responsibly. It doesn't right. mean it's easy. And so we'll use Palm Springs as an example because I've taught about it before and you and I are drawn to it. We're going there. Um, and I would, you know, if I were a betting man, I would bet that I, we buy something. Right. Um, but that said, it's a very hard community to be an Airbnb host in. There's right. a ton of laws, including, you know, you have to keep a log and you can only do 32 weeks or 32 rentals and you have to give people the name of um, all the guests. You have to give over to the city of Palm Springs and you have to file this timely and there's taxes and you're only allowed to have one as an individual, so you can't have two. Uh, and so there's all these like rules and restrictions, but net-net, I think it works, right? right? So like I will go and I will buy one. Mm -hmm. I won't exclude it. Um, yet there's other communities where I won't even buy one. And right. the flow of capital is what makes everything go around, right? Like that's economics 101. Right. A community that's thriving, there's a lot of money changing hands. Mm -hmm. People go to the restaurants. People go to the movies. People go to the so theater. True. People go to the stores. People yep. rent homes. People buy homes. People fix homes. The flow of capital is what creates a thriving environment. And the opposite is true also. If there is no flow of capital, likely that community is shrinking in importance, shrinking in significance, shrinking in desirability. Right. Right? Um, and that's why there's certain like money center cities like New York City, London, San Francisco. Why? Flow of capital. Right. It's not an accident. It's not a theory. It's not something I'm just making up. Where the most capital flows is where the most vibrant communities are. Right. You may elect not to live there. Like I've moved out of New York City. I'm done with the vibrant growth and the traffic. But I'm here in Jackson Hole, which right. also does things on a short-term rental basis intelligently. We're living in a legal short-term rental. There's mm -hmm. a finite number. There's permits. There's applications. The fire marshals have to come here. They do safety inspections. And so for me, I embrace regulatory right. as an opportunity to tell me where to play because I'm going to be a responsible host. Just tell me where I can do that. Right. And if you don't want my responsible hosting, then... What are you inviting? Illegal hosts? No hosts? You want no people to come right. to your community and vacation there? Or you only want people to stay at the Marriott? Right. right? Like that's, these are the kind of decisions that you're saying. You're saying like, no, I don't want individual entrepreneurs in my community to share their home. What I really want is a big public company with billions of dollars and board of directors and all of this stuff. Like I want them to thrive in my community. Right. And so... I've taught this time and time again. Every action that you take or every decision that you make is a vote for something and a vote against something. Right. And so I think that Airbnb, if they're going to thrive and what investors should be focused on, 
is not so much about the profitability. Mm -hmm. It is about the community. It is about the regulatory risk. I'm not even that worried about Google. But I think the single biggest thing that could get in the way of Airbnb is Airbnb itself and them not doing enough things to shore up and build trust and build a community, work with the regulators to do it intelligently um, and and figure all that out. And right. I think that, um, you know, as much as I would love to have multiple places, say in Palm Springs on mm -hmm. a go forward basis, the fact that they limit it to one, like that's okay. Right. They don't say zero. Right. They don't make it impossible. Right. It's still with 32 weeks allows people to offset the cost of their mortgage and own in their environment and enjoy it themselves sometimes and invite other people to enjoy it right. other times. And so, you know, like be strict, be fair, uh, make it sustainable and repeatable. And then I think everybody wins. Right. And then at that point, I think they will turn a profit. Right. And they'll be able to fend off Google and other people. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that their biggest challenge is the success that they've had mm -hmm. and not being out in front of all of this negative publicity early enough or doing enough feel-good community type things. They just announced, we did a podcast, I think, about this, that they're sponsors of the Olympics. That's really intelligent. Give back whatever it costs, a billion right. dollars on a global worldwide scale, support amateur athletes, provide lodging for athletes and coaches. Like these are the kind of things right. that Airbnb can do that nobody else can do. Marriott can't do it. Right. And I'm not picking on Marriott. I have a lot of friends that worked at Marriott. It's a good company. But I'm just saying that they Marriott doesn't have that much lodging in any Olympic venue ever. Right. But people live there. And so like the homes that they live in could be turned over to, you know, traveling uh, guests, to coaches, to the athletes. And so like that's something Airbnb can do. And as they get a little bit more mature in their ways and once they go public and they have, you know, real senior people uh, on staff with decision making authority to do things like this, they'll do more of it. And I think um, the community sentiment will evolve and change. You know what? The thing that drives all of this is fear. Right. None of it is true. It's just fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear of the bad situation. Fear of everything. But the one thing that we can also say with certainty is that fear keeps you playing small. Mm -hmm. Nobody achieves greatness by playing within the comfort zone or the sandbox where there is no fear. Greatness so comes from addressing the fear straight on and overcoming it. And then once you overcome that fear, turning it into a point of confidence, like, no, I can do this because right. I've already done it. So like, right. this is now my new base level. And from here, I'm gonna go face the next great fear. Then you conquer that. And that's how you get confidence. And confidence and that momentum is what changes lives, right? It's not any one decision. It's just right. the decision to face your fears, overcome them, acknowledge them, create that as a new base level, and then go find the next greatest fear. And you keep doing that. And before you know it, you're kind of like, I can do anything. Right. And guess what? You can. Right. Brave right? as I'll get out. Exactly. Right. So awesome. anyway, I think it was an interesting article. Uh, I'm really curious to watch and see what happens when Airbnb goes public. Um, and I think they're taking the right steps. I just wish they had taken them a little bit earlier, and then this article wouldn't have been written. And we just covered that in the prior podcast. <laughs> Same thing, right? Timing is everything. Right. So get ahead of it. Right. Awesome. Thank you. You got a, another question or where Well, we? I have a question for um, somebody or I have a question from someone that called in. Perfect. The audience. Let's go to Yes. It. Yes. And they actually attended Nashville. I so, love that. Yeah. Yeah. Super fun. Here we go. Hi, Richard and Erica. This 
is Whitney, Nashville Whitney. Um, and I am calling, I am so doggone close to finally getting my place up um, on the any short-term rental platform. I'm like talking weeks. I'm at the point of getting artwork on the walls and scheduling my photographer. Um, so one thing that I of all people should know is the importance of getting a website. Um, I managed a you know, North American website that got on average half a million visits a month. But in all honesty, the thought of creating my own website is awful. I just like can't get excited about it at all. Kind of like the cleaning lady who comes home and has to clean her house. Um, so I'm really excited about host saver. If you got everything hooked up, you got the Google Analytics, you can use your own domain. I mean, it's very well thought out. So I think it's a no-brainer that I will be using your um, website to just to do all the work that I sure don't want to do. Anyway, so my question, I have a couple questions, and I'm, I know that you've touched on this in some of your YouTube videos, um, but maybe you could dig a little deeper, dive a little bit deeper. So there's a couple scenarios. There's somebody who comes to the house via Airbnb, and how do these people get wind of your website, like throughout their journey? Um, from talking to you on the platform, like how do you get their personal email, to what kind of like things do you leave at the house, do you like a postcard that, you know, they can take with them that has your, you know, website on it. There's that scenario. But then the other scenario is somebody who just happens to be searching for places to stay in the area where your house is and they go to your website, what kind of um, things do you consider for this potential customer that doesn't have the advantage of having reviews of themselves on Airbnb so that you can vet them? You have to vet them on your own. Um, and I you know, know that you've talked about kind of asking questions of them, like, what are you here for, etc. But is there, is there anything else that you would ask of them to just make sure, you know, they're going to not destroy your place? Uh, and any other logistics that you, that you do to, to check them, um, if at all? Cool. All right. Well, so Whitney, nice to hear from you again. Uh, great to meet you in Nashville. And for those of you that didn't quite hear, she used to manage a global or North American website that had, what, half, half a million, million views mm -hmm. every month. Mm -hmm. So here's somebody who really understands the importance of a website and how much it can drive your business. Um, and so what I want to say, Whitney, is as follows. For me, Host Saver is a great way to uh, get repeat bookings primarily. 
Uh, I think that the concept of getting organic hits from total strangers is a worthwhile endeavor, but it will take a lot of time and effort, and I don't want anybody to think uh, otherwise. Like, you know, getting Google to find your domain and your URL and serve it up in a listing is not a small feat, and there's tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of freelance professionals that do that for businesses all over the world, uh, and it's highly competitive. Mm -hmm. So if you just stop and think about it for a second and say it's a great way to have repeat business, and that's kind of the way that I used to do it, uh, say, in the Hamptons. Um, I would rent my house out in the Hamptons. This was 1998. I couldn't afford the house on my own, but I thought, you know, if I rented it out during pre-season, it would pay enough of the mortgage that my ex-wife and I could afford it for the rest of the time and have good times with friends and kids and so on. So that was the impetus. And what we found in hosting these individuals was some of them were transactional and we never heard from them again. Some of them, though, really loved our house and our hospitality and our location and wanted to come back. And um, in certain instances, brokers would write up the contract and we'd continue to pay them and go through the the brokerage and the proper channels. And in other instances, brokers were kind of like, you know what, you guys do it yourself. I'm busy selling homes or I've got new people that I'm introducing to new areas through leases. If you guys want to just do this on your own, go. And that was sort of the, the impetus for HostSaver, which is that we have been approached by many of our guests who want to book directly but don't want to do it on VRBO or Airbnb and they want to develop a personal relationship with us so much so that we've had one family at one location they leave all of their belongings there they have a little corner that we've carved out and that's where they put all of their you know summer storage and that's where they put their bike helmets so they don't have to bring them and all that stuff um, and that then host saver is a great way to get that business integrated to your stripe so you get paid they can use a credit card the calendar is blocked um, but for me uh, the dream has always been to be a host that has a book of repeat business that's so enamored with my place that they just want to come back. I know and trust them. They take care of my place like it's their own. And that's sort of like the holy grail or nirvana of hosting where it's not these random people coming in all the time and you have no idea who it is. And you have no idea who it is even on Airbnb, to be honest, right? We don't even see their photo. They may or may not have government ID. Uh, they may lie. They may hack an account. So like right. there's a lot of variability in there. And, and we take comfort from things that, you know, we don't necessarily um, – doesn't warrant us taking comfort but what i do take comfort in is what i know so if somebody has come and they've taken great care of my place and they want to come back i want to encourage that and the way that i encourage that is by booking directly because it saves me fees and it saves them fees just to put it in perspective uh home away and airbnb the average fee if when you add the guest fee and the host fee is in excess of 20 percent so if you just split that in the middle and call it 10 percent there's a substantial amount of savings for the guest and the host, right. um, which encourages that repeat booking directly. Right. So that's one aspect of it. For me, it's all about the, the, the repeat bookings. That's the goal. While I spend the time to get that organic placement <clears throat> or search engine optimization so that Google starts to serve me up. But right. that's going to take quarters or years to build that. And in the interim, I'm focused on the repeat business. Now, the one question that you asked, Whitney, which I think is really good, 
is how do you get their email and how do you source the repeat business and so on and so forth. And so I'm going to share with you two quick examples. Uh, the first one is in your communication, and you can do this currently on Airbnb and in HomeAway. You can ask them once they've got their booking for their email address to send them check-in instructions. Um, so go ahead and change your template on both platforms and any other platforms that you're using. Uh, VRBO and HomeAway, they actually give you the email address. Airbnb does not. So just factor that in. But you want to ask them after they've booked it and you're into the dialogue for their email. And the premise for getting their email is that you want to send them instructions via email. Right. And I've never had a pushback, anybody saying that they don't want instructions and they won't give me their email, so they give it to me. Now, you have to be cautious and conscientious when you email them. You can't start spamming them and telling them all about the, the savings and how great your house is. But, you know, use it selectively. If you particularly liked a family or a guest, email them, thank them, tell them that you'd love to stay in direct contact with them and you've got this um, ability if they ever want to book again and share with them the link. Uh, Erica's dad and Hardik are working on something that you alluded to, which is this postcard concept right. where they've designed a postcard, they're going to leave it uh, in the home and it's got a benefit if they were fill that postcard out and send it to a friend or a family member, a loved one, a church group companion, or whoever, um, both the person that receives the postcard and also the referring guest both receive discounts to book directly on HostSaver at uh, Mr. Bossy's place. And so creativity is unlimited. You can figure out how you want to do it, how it works for you and your workflow and your schedule. But I would say um, you want to get your own website. You want to get it sooner rather than later. It should pay for itself with uh, just a couple of bookings, so it's not even a big expense. And to your point, Whitney, with one click, it's the easiest thing in the world to have a professionally designed and tested website. You'll be impressed. You'll impress others. It's not anything uh, like you might put together on your own if you don't know what you're doing. And, you know, I've, well, I've been trying to do the short-term rental university website for over a year now, and I've hired and fired two or three different people. And it's just... <clears throat> Creating a website is really, really challenging. So right. we've created a method to remove that challenge uh, and make it, you know, your own it's in less than beautiful. five minutes. It's beautiful. Um, and people are having a lot of success with they it. We really just got are. a testimonial. I know I shared this uh, recently, but somebody just let us know. They, they took an $18,000 booking. They saved in f over $500 in fees themselves, which more than pays. It's a year and a half of host saver. Holy smokes. So like one booking, a year and a half, free website. Like, why not? Right. Amazing. So anyway, so Whitney, cool. um, I'm also going to remind you of something I said in Nashville and in Miami and in videos. Revenue is greater than ready. So go live now. You should have those you know, professional photos now. Let's not worry so much about the art. Get the listing live. Get your first bookings. That's going to help pay for the photographer and host saver and get your you know, hosting feet wet. So just launch. Do it. Do it. You got it. And I'm cheering from you, for you. And I thank you so much Yay, for your question. Congratulations. Thanks so much yeah, for calling awesome. in. Awesome. Thank you. Congrats, Whitney. And the number to call in. Oh. Dun, 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 dun. 206 <laughs> 900 8189 I can't read without my reading glasses, but I believe that's right. 206 900 8189 Whoa. Holla. There we go, friends. So call in any questions you have at all. Yes. Call in and ask Eric about the love languages. I thought that was really interesting. Oh, thanks. Right? Yeah, yeah. 
All right. Well, yeah. thank you, friends. Thanks for your time, your attention, Absolutely. your energy, and everything you do to make Airbnb community and hosting even better. So right? good. Like we're all contributing to Airbnb's greatest risk. I only wish more people would listen to the podcast or watch the videos, invest in themselves, invest in their entrepreneurial spirit, invest in the hosting community, because that's what it's going to take for this to be incredible and achieve everything that it's destined to be. But a few bad apples, you know? Right? Yuck. Boo. Yuck. Yucko. Yucko. All right, friends. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Time for me to go skiing. Yes. Take care of each other. All right. Be well. Bye. So that does it for another episode of the STRU podcast. As always, all links mentioned are in the show notes below. If you're serious about short-term rental investing, be sure to check out str.university. Till next time.